Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg podcast. I'm your host, Jason Michener, joining alongside Ian Hatcher. How are you doing today, Ian? Doing great. It's the story. It's always the same story with me. I just love talking sports. It's an easy answer every single time. But when you throw in a two-week hiatus like the one we just had, to be back and to be talking about basketball again, it just feels right. And I haven't even got into it yet. So I'm just really excited to get into the. The NBA postseason is about to be here in just a few days. Everything that has gone on this entire season has led to this moment. And we got a new little wrinkle into the playoff system this year. There's a lot to be excited about if you're an NBA fan, and I cannot wait to break it down with you. Yep, we are just three days away from the NBA playing tournament starting. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure it is starting – on my birthday, so what a what a fantastic birthday present for me! That is a great treat. The first ever playing too. Wow! But uh, before we get into the playing tournaments talk and all the standings talk, there really have been some some key injuries to teams that look like they could make some some deep runs. Uh, starting off with. The Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown goes down with a, a season-ending wrist wrist injury. Once that collision happened with Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown didn't really look right, and then I I didn't catch the game where he went out with his wrist injury. But looking looking back on it, it it really didn't look good. Yeah, I'm honestly, weirdly enough, I'm not worried at all about the injury. I have um, really no doubts. It was, it is scary, and it didn't look all that promising. But I have very little doubt that he'll he'll bounce back from this. It's no, I'm not worried about it because it's not a leg injury. Put it like that. If it was a leg injury, I'd have a little bit more concern. But with it just being the wrist issue, I mean, a three, three month um, recovery timetable, I'm pretty sure, from his surgery. So it's obviously it's a terrible, terrible break for the Celtics and for Jalen Brown. I thought Jalen Brown was having an amazing season. I was so glad to see that. I've been very, very high on Jalen Brown for a long time. This felt like it was only due for him to to come out and play the way he's played this season on both sides of the court it's been fantastic to watch I mean we have to remember in the beginning of the season Jason Tatum wasn't looking like the the MVP candidate Tatum that we've been seeing these last few weeks or the ones that we saw before the end of last season so to to see Jalen Brown come out and really shoulder the load for I'd almost say the first month and a half almost. I mean, he was playing fantastic for a long while to open that season, and that never wavered and never stopped. I mean, he played that good all season. We stopped paying a little bit of attention to it once Jason Tatum picked it up. But he was still that guy all season long, and it's a terrible break for him, a terrible break for the Celtics. I I hate to say it, 
and, and I could be wrong, but I, I don't love their chances now down Jalen Brown. I think, you know, you have to have two players the caliber of that, at least now with the way that the NBA is played in the playoffs, at least to really tr- kind of make a dent. So for that reason, I think it's a terrible, terrible break. I still even thought with the way that the Celtics had struggled, I still thought that they were going to come out and scare teams in the playoffs. I really, really did just because of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like I said, like when you have two players that good, it it matters a lot. So it's a terrible break. I hate to see it, but I know he'll be fine. And I already miss seeing him on a basketball court. Yeah, I – me being a Celtics fan, like seeing the chances to really make a, a championship run this year, which early on the year, like it, it really looked like Boston could finally make somewhat of a run. And then Jalen Brown goes down, Kibble Walker goes down, Jason Tatum goes down throughout the year, and then Jalen Brown finishes off the year with an injury. It, it just, really hurts yeah it it was definitely a tough break a tough break for a team that we all had you know a lot of expectations for like it's not like the Celtics just kind of came out of nowhere this season I mean the Celtics have been growing to this point for a few years now so to see it kind of at least this season culminate in the way that it did it's very, very sad. I mean, you hate to see injuries. They're a part of the game, I know. But, man, if I don't wish, I could just turn them off just like you can in the video game. It sucks to watch anytime it happens. Jalen Brown is a great young player. He's just a smart kid. I have no worries about him, about anything, really. Like, I think that highly of him. So, it's a terrible break for him. I feel so bad. I know what the playoffs means to him, especially probably this season, his best season of play. So, it can't be easy, but I I would imagine him playing like his hair's on fire whenever he can get back on the court. Hopefully he'll be good to go once the season rolls around next year. I mean, it's only looking like it's going to be a three-month recovery, which is good for the Celtics. He's going to have time to rest his hand and then have, have a – pretty much two months to really get a shooting forward back. Yeah, uh, he'll have a lot of time in the offseason to get back and get ready. Um, And I think he'll be fine. Like I said, I expect nothing but great things to come from him. I think this season was just the beginning. Um, It sucks to have the injury on top of it, but I know that we're all rooting for Jalen Brown to get back to what he was doing this season. Now, from a from a low point, let, let's bring it up to a, a pretty high point for just a second. LaMelo Ball did come back, and he has been playing as good as ever. He's had a, a phenomenal two-week run to really set himself in stone as Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. I mean, he went from not being on the NBA ladder at all after one game being back to third and after like three being back up to first. Like it, it, it's been great having Lamilla back on the court. It's been really fun. I mean, it looks like he didn't even miss a beat. You would have, ne- you could have never convinced me that he missed time with an injury. 
after watching the way he came back. Um, I think he's played fantastic. I agree with you. Um, we, we kind of – or at least me, I, I conceded while LaMelo was out that I did think in that point in time that Anthony Edwards was making a really good a really good run at the Rookie of the Year award. But with how LaMelo's come back and watching his team – him push his team into the playoffs – is something you know it's not all him the, the Hornets are a good overall team and they did well without him but <clears throat> I'm not willing to really hear an argument that LaMelo Ball didn't have a, a good amount even with missing time with what happened to that team and, and being able to push them in the playoffs that was a team that couldn't figure out how to do that for years on years with a great point guard in Kemba Walker you're telling me first year rookie LaMelo Ball had nothing to do with that I'm not buying it. Gordon Hayward has played fantastic. They've had great contributions from a number of players on their team. The Martin Twins, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier. They've had so many um, great players that have helped them this season. But to me, LaMelo Ball is the catalyst of it all. I mean, he is the floor general that that team needed. The way he runs the show is just so fun to watch. It reminds me of really nobody I mean he's just so flashy with it it's so fun to watch and to watch the way that he can score that is still the craziest thing to me because I worried a little bit about that coming into the NBA because just I guess it probably a little bit also had to do with Lonzo we saw I remember him in college like the thing is a lot of people don't somehow don't remember that UCLA season from Lonzo like he was a bucket he would score on you any way he wanted he shot like 40 plus percent from three and was knocking down deep deep threes in college like he was an offensive problem but then he gets to the NBA and it doesn't even look like he can score the basketball the exact opposite happened for LaMelo he I feel like he's almost gotten better scoring it in the league he's just so crappy he can get a shot off however he wants it he's crafty at the bucket even though he's not as strong as you would want him to be, he has no problem finishing down low because of how crafty and unique he can finish. So I really think it's obvious that the sky is the limit for him. And I'm right there with you. He's got to be rookie of the year. Yeah. I like how you brought up the, how Lonzo kind of fell off a little bit when he came into league. But Lamo was able to flourish. I mean, I really think LaMelo had the the better play style to be able to fit in the NBA as a point guard. But like he he has been so excited to watch and having those uh, three to four weeks without him. I know Hornets fans were really upset. Um but now that he's back, uh they're they're locked into the playing tournament. Uh it's they're hopefully their first time getting back to the playoffs. Um in what four years i think it's a good while something like that it's a good while but with that news um sadly it's it's looking like gordon hayward will not be available for the play-in tournament and depending on this last game against the knicks and how the uh the indiana indiana pacers play against the lakers they most likely will be – they're either going to be playing the Boston Celtics or the Washington Wizards. 
And without Gordon Hayward, I don't think they can beat Boston. But without Hayward, I think they could possibly match up against the Wizards. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And the the thing about it, to me, really is I don't really love either one of those matchups for them. Like a Boston, even without Jalen Brown, I just think they're so well coached that so that's going to be a tough game. No matter what, like I just it's the Brad Stevens effect. You put him in the playoffs, and no matter what his team looks like, it. It's still hard. It's a hard decision trying to pick against that. But then you look at the Wizards, and I think that's a tough matchup just <clears throat> because of the guards. I, I really like the guards for Charlotte, but there's no argument that can be made for them being plus defenders other than Terry Rozier at this point. Terry Rozier can hold his own, but you're talking about two guards for Washington that are big and physical and, and Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. That's not, that's not really – uh, Rogier's forte whatsoever so and, and how the Wizards have been playing lately I mean not the best but they have been playing better and have pushed themselves into the play-in because of some incredible performances from Russell Westbrook so uh, I think that one I could kind of see that one as a trap but a trap game but I would love to see the Hornets and Wizards play because I think that would be a really fun game to watch also, I think we do have to bring up the fact of Russell Westbrook broke Oscar Robertson's record of 181 triple doubles in a career. Phenomenal. The yeah. the triple double machine continues to do it. I I want to talk about this for just a second, um, just because I do think it's kind of crazy how much hate Westbrook got for it for a good long while like I understand and trust me I'm a Thunder fan you could easily make the argument that Russell Westbrook was stat padding and if you wanted to look at it that way I guarantee you when you watch the games you would say oh yeah watch Steven Adams right here Steven Adams takes off down court doesn't even look for the rebound clears it out and the only person back to get the rebound is Russell Westbrook that happened a thousand times at OKC but to me what I was seeing was a guy who wouldn't even let his own center get the basketball because it would take too much time and he knew as soon as he got the basketball in his hands he could he would trust himself to make a pass over whatever Stephen Adams would do which would be just hand Russell Westbrook the ball I mean you could go either way it's however you want to make it out to be but in my mind there's no questioning that what Russell Westbrook has done over these last few years especially when it comes to triple doubles is insane I mean you cannot knock it all the guy does is get triple doubles 10 assists and 10 rebounds no matter how you want to slice it is not the easiest thing in the world to do Uh, and he has made a living out of averaging that it's insane. We have to give this guy props. I love Russell Westbrook. He has got the heart and soul of a dog, and he deserves a lot of credit for this. Yeah, I, I don't care what people say at this point. You you can't you can't not say Russell Westbrook is not one of the one of the greatest point guards out there, especially of all time. I wouldn't put him in top five or 
he could possibly be there in top 10, but definitely top 15. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's just special. And it needs to have – I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I think it just needs less of an asterisk. I, I think everyone is so uh, set in stone as to writing all of his accomplishments off just because of, you know, like I said, him hunting for them. And I'll be honest, if you wanted to see that, you could easily see that. I, I mean, it's not that hard, but – I can tell you there's one thing as an Oklahoma City Thunder fan that I knew since one of the first times I ever watched Westbrook step on the basketball court, and it's that that guy will do anything to win. I can tell you that. I really, truly do believe it is for the win. It doesn't always, like I said, look like it in the moment, but, I mean, just the heart and, and everything that he plays with is so intense that – there's no doubt in my mind that he's trying to win the game every single time he's out there. And I truly do think that the triple doubles just come from playing with his hair on fire. I mean, that's how he has been his entire career. That's just Westbrook. Yeah, it's it's been a really, really fun time watching Westbrook. It's going to suck when he retires and not get to see all the – and we just took all the all he did for granted. Yeah, that would that, and that's another big component to it. Like, there's a good chance we won't see another Russell Westbrook ever again. I mean, ever again, just with his mental makeup alone. There's just very few guys who attack every single possession on the in the basketball game the way Russell Westbrook does, and that in particular, is why I don't think we'll see another Russell Westbrook for a long time. Not because of his freakish athleticism or his off-the-court fashion sense. We'll never see that either. But we won't see somebody who just, in my opinion, works that hard. Like, you would have never thought a guy was a fourth overall draft pick because he works like an undrafted free agent. Like, it, it just seems like it's always been in his nature to just work this hard. And to watch it pay off like this on the highest stage of basketball and to still hear so many people downplaying it or even, you know, trying to make it less legitimate. I I don't, I hate that. I really do hate that. He deserves all the credit that's due for, for breaking this record. And I mean, at this point, you cannot say he's not the triple double King. I mean, no, no, you cannot. Um, but I think that's our, our quick Russell Westbrook rant right there. <laughs> um, here, here's another team that is, is kind of in an interesting situation. Um, the Golden State Warriors, uh, right now they're in the seventh seed and they're set to either play the Portland Trailblazers or the Los Angeles Lakers. Either way, it's pretty much going to be Curry and no one else. Uh, Kelly Oubre uh, still being evaluated for uh, wrist injury. So not sure if he's going to be there. Andrew Wiggins is day-to-day right now. I mean, of course, James Wiseman's out for the year. 
Curry has a a lot on his plate right now. I mean, yeah, he does. It's really the story of the whole season for the Warriors, in my in my opinion. I mean, yes, he's gotten help, but it's been so few and far between on a consistent basis. When you talk about Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, I mean, between injuries and inconsistent play, every one of those guys has struggled to be the second most consistent factor of the Warriors after Stephen Curry. I don't think it's really that fair to him that he he's being asked to do so much. I mean, he's as talented as a player there is in this league. So he's capable of doing it. But I mean, as far as winning basketball goes, it does not help their chances in my mind for the postseason. If you're going to have to rely on Stephen Curry to drop nukes on the other team, if you want to advance, I mean, it will, it will work for one or two games. I mean, one or two games for sure it will work, but I just don't find very much legitimacy in their chances in the postseason if they are going to have to rely on Stephen Curry as heavily as they look like they're going to have to. Yeah, it, it's it's not looking great for for the Warriors right now. But on the other hand, their their current opponent right now, the the Lakers, it doesn't look great for them either. I'll I'll let you dive into that one, Ian. Yeah, uh, the Lakers are a whole nother issue. I mean, but once LeBron and AD had their injury struggles, you really just kind of watched them uh, fall off. It, it was obvious, and I mean, I don't, I didn't expect them to really do much more than hold their own mainly without those two guys. Anthony Davis has come back and has been playing well. He seems ready for the postseason. LeBron will be ready as well. But to me, the something I have to touch on was the LeBron James comments that he made, uh, I want to say a few days ago, about never – he doubted whether he would ever be 100% again in his career. And to me – that's a little – that would worry me a little bit. I, I don't think that LeBron ever has just said something to say something. I think there's always something to be taken from what someone like LeBron James says. And to hear him say that is, for one, it scared me. I don't know why, but when I first heard it, it really scared me because – I know LeBron is getting up there. I know he's been in the league damn near 20 years. I know all of that. But he's so superhuman. You didn't. I never really thought I would see him decline ever no. in my life. And so to hear him say that he doesn't even think he'll be 100% ever again, that's, it worries me. Now, it doesn't worry me in terms of this postseason because – if there's any time that LeBron James will, will ever see close to 100% LeBron James again, I guarantee you it's in the postseason. And, and I guarantee you he's gearing up in a really, really strong way and that this time off was not wasted and that he's you know trying to get ready mentally and physically. So I don't worry about it that much, but it does make me wonder, like if the Lakers do start to struggle because they haven't played with their two stars in so long in the playoffs – 
is LeBron going to be able to pull them through that? I don't know. It's definitely something that I think needs to be talked about. Yeah, when LeBron said, I don't think I'll ever be 100% again, it's like he really just showed a a chink in his armor that I don't think anyone knew he had. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to think, like, arguably the most consistent player – I've ever seen play the game of basketball come out and say, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be what I was. It's just weird to think about that. Cause I like, what is, is he going to go back to like his rookie day numbers? Like even those aren't terrible, but like, it's just, it's, I don't know what, what this really means. To this is my, if I had to say to guess, this is what I've been thinking. And, and I said I never thought that we'd really see him decline, and that that to me is very very true. But it's it would be crazy for me to say that his game hasn't changed. His game has changed a whole lot. He's shooting way more threes now. He's still an amazing. He's always been an amazing passer, but now at this point in his career, he's basically kind of a point guard he really just runs the show almost every time down for the Lakers when he's in the game um so for that I I think he will still be the same kind of an impact player but from the athleticism standpoint I think the days of LeBron James grabbing a rebound darting through every single person reaching a a top speed of like what feels like 30 miles an hour and dunking the ball on three opposing players, those days might be closer to over. And that's what I think this kind of signaled. I don't think it means that, you know, he can't pick apart a defense for 15 assists in a game. I don't think it means we're done watching him make five threes back to back to back to back to back from deep range. But I think it's time that instead of these ferocious dunks and just overpowering people on a every play basis, I think we're going to see a little bit more finesse, a little bit more from the post using his size as an advantage, but not, like I said, in the overpowering manner. I think we'll see a lot of change in the way that he kind of approaches the game, but not not change that we haven't seen before, because I think he's just going to start relying on the non-athletic parts of the game even more so now, because I do think he could be a valuable player until he's 50. He's LeBron James. He's one of the best basketball players that will ever take the court. And I say that with a lot of confidence. So I I have no real worries about him, but it is just scary just to even think that one of the best players that I've ever seen in my entire life is nearing that point in his career where he is going to start slowing down. And that is really scary. If there's one thing you should take from this episode is just don't take the greats for granted. I mean, we really never know. If you'd have told me back when Derrick Rose won his MVP, that would be the last time he was competing for that award, I would have laughed in your face because there was no way in my mind that he'd never compete for another MVP before. That dude was insane, but injuries got in the way of that. And that is – it is a part of the game. He's turned himself into a great player ever since then, but you just have to enjoy these players while they're here and while they're doing what they're doing because there is no guarantee for tomorrow in the sports world. No, there is not. And hopefully LeBron can at least be somewhat close to what he used to be 
uh, at least explosiveness-wise because man, is he able to throw down some of the, the best dunks of all time? Just, I mean, there's so many to just go through and just can't even name them all. Yeah. One that pops in my head is the Jason Terry poster, but yeah. One of my favorites is when he jumped over Mike James for the Bulls. Um, but it's injuries really st- start to ruin the NBA when it's especially around this time. Like so, so many great players just not able to be out there when it's crunch time. Well, yeah, and it's also uh, to me. I think a part of the factor is that you lose a guy early in the season, you have the whole season to figure out who comes in and, and minimizes that loss. You know, you have a whole season to figure out that that out. When you lose a player this close to the playoffs, you're scrambling. You have no idea. There's no trade market for you to go to. The free agency has been picked apart essentially at this point because of attrition around the league. And there's really not much you can do. You better hope that you have somebody on your roster that you can pencil in to step up. Because if not, there's no outside help coming, really. Unless you've got some a freak of nature in the G League that you have not told anybody about. But to lose a player at this point in the season to me is a whole lot harder. Because at least near the beginning or even the middle, you know, you have a whole half of the season or a whole the whole season you could have. To, to figure out who's going to come in and, and alleviate that loss. And when it happens at this part of the season, you don't have that luxury anymore. Yeah. Another sort of big injury for Miami Heat, VO goes down with yet another leg injury, having to get surgery on his white quad, right quadricep. It's not like the Heat gave up a whole lot for for Victor Oladipo, but it, it's still a, a player that contributed to them. And it's how the Heat are playing right now. It's really not looking like they're going to make that magical run like they did last year. Yeah, I mean, the Heat have been playing really, really well over this last stretch and they've moved themselves all the way up out of the playing game um, region between them and and the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they really did in my mind have a great second half of their schedule to, to, to put themselves in the position where they are, but I don't really love the Miami Heat's chances without Victor Oladipo. Now I know they still weren't able to really figure out um, the best way to utilize him and he didn't look like he was going to have or he didn't look like he was having the kind of effect that you would say oh they're going to need that guy but to me I thought that they would because I know what the Miami Heat like to do and it is a hard physical style of defense and Victor Oladipo if there's one thing that I have never had a question about it's his defense I really really have always liked him for his two-way potential and so to see these leg injuries keep coming to him, it is very, very tough to watch. And also for a guy with that succeeds because of his plus level athleticism, 
it's a scary, scary thing. I mean, you don't, you do not want to see somebody have this amount of leg injuries and especially just lower body injuries in general. And you have to worry at some point about his athleticism being sapped. Yeah. I like the, the Derek Rose situation. It's like leg injuries will really, really kill you. If you base your game around athleticism, like if you're, that explosive point guard or two guard that's always getting to the basket. That's what Victor Oladipo was, especially in Orlando. And well, Orlando, and then he kind of took a back seat in OKC and then really picked it back up in Indiana and became the, the superstar we all knew and loved. But these injuries have really just been derailing him. And it's so sad to see because VO was so much fun to watch. And really the only player I can think of that has really come back and been better after an ACL tear was Zach Levine, but I, he's like a one in a one in a thousand, one in a, I don't even know the chances of like him coming back and being fantastic after an ACL tear. Like he's the, the phenomenon and everyone else just isn't able to get back to what they used to be. Yeah. Well, and and there are just a couple of differences. I mean, Zach Levine had to get through one. We're talking for Old Depot at this point. This is injury number what to the lower body. I mean, it, it's just been injury after injury after injury after injury. And, you know, after the first one, even after probably the second or third one, when he was with the Houston Rockets and we were talking about him being traded, I, I still said at that point, I was like, I do think Old Depot will help a contender. Now he is – you do have to worry about that the the lower body, obviously, but I, I do think of all the players available, he'd help a lot of teams more than a lot of other players. And this was the risk, though, that you inherited by making that move. Is you knew that this was unfortunately kind of par for the course as it as it pertains to Oladipo. So it sucks, but I do think that the Heat kind of didn't really have him long enough to have to rely on him, but so, so much. So it could kind of be a blessing in disguise for the Heat if someone else they can find can step up soon. Yeah, that's the big thing. And also, like, they did give away a, a nice piece in Kelly Olenek as a, a stretch four. And with the, the whole Myers-Leonard situation that went on earlier this year, they don't really have a, a big man that can sit on the, the out on the three-point line and let Jimmy Butler and Lauren Drogic do their work in the, in the paint. It's just, I, I really don't, I'm not a, a huge fan of the Heat's chances this year. But they, they could prove me wrong. I, we will see. We will definitely have to see. That's just that's something that we'll need to see in playoff time. But speaking of playoff time, is it time to go through that that new play-in tournament? Yes. The, the play-in t- – if y'all haven't heard about the play-in tournament, y'all are just living under a rock. It It's going to be a very, very interesting few days. I think it's – is it the first – so it's the 
nine and ten seed. Is it they play one game or do they play two games? Okay, so is it the lower seed has to win two games and the upper seed has to win one? Correct, correct. Okay. And then the winner of the nine and ten seed game and the seven and eight seed game will face each other. And the winner of that will become the seven seed and the loser will become the eight seed. Wait, I was under the impression that the winner of seven and eight would become the seven seed. And then between the winner of nine and 10 would play the loser of seven and eight. Or maybe that is, that is it. That is it. Yeah. And then the winner of that game gets the eighth seed. Cause I'm pretty sure the lower seeds need to win two games. Yeah. And the the seventh seed needs to win one. Yeah. So the so right now the Lakers and the Celtics are sitting in the in the best spot they can, um, only having to win one game to secure their playoff spot. And everyone else is just and the the Hornets, the Pacers, the Wizards, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, and the Spurs are sitting there fighting for their lives yeah fighting for their lives is right i think the most interesting part about this a whole process i i think in both conferences you can kind of see at the seventh seed spot you have teams that you kind of uh, pegged to be in the playoffs from the very get-go and i think even with the celtics uh, in their situation having lost Jalen brown i still don't think it'll be too much to just win one game from that seventh position, like I said. So I, I think just at least also the way that it works, like it's definitely an easier thing to accomplish as the seventh seed, which is why a lot of those teams were gunning for that position. And really after that, between eight, nine, and 10, like you said, is a dog fight, really. First to win two games. So um, you're talking about in the East there, you've got, like you said, the Hornets, Pacers, Wizards, and then Warriors, Grizzlies, and Spurs. Um, I love – I think a lot of people have not liked it. I I love the idea of it. Now, I don't know how I'm going to really feel about it until I see it, but I, I think this just adds some new pizzazz to this to the, the whole playoff function. Like, for one, I don't think – you can't make the argument to me that anybody is really missing out. I mean, the two most lopsided – uh, series in playoff basketball every single year is the seventh and the eighth seed. They always usually just get swept. Maybe they win a courtesy game, but other than that, it's it doesn't really mean much. So to see the NBA kind of buy into that and say, okay, well, let's make it a little crazier. I love that. I love the potential that it has. Now, granted, like I said, I don't know until I've seen it, but I really love the idea thus far, and I cannot wait to see you know, how it, just how it goes down. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really fun. It's, it's more basketball for everyone. And I already know for this next month, I'm going to be glued to my TV watching basically every single game. Yeah. But the, so the weird thing about this is it's crazy how even I this is probably the most even we have ever seen the conferences record wise. It's insane. At least in, in the past decade and a half. 
Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, looking at it, there's a bit of a higher win total over in the West, um, but which is kind of par for the course uh, over in that side. But no, I do agree with you. The, the, the gap between the East and the West going into this, this season right here, it closed more so than I've ever seen it close in my entire life. For basically what I felt like my whole life, it was really a stacked Western Conference and one or two teams out of the East. And I, I could s- safely say that I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that you have at least three teams that I can legitimately say out of the East, and I would not be surprised if it was even a longer list than that. And really the same is true for the West. I mean – the West is still super, super deep, but I, I think the East has definitely closed the gap more so than they have in recent years. Yeah, I mean, with the the up and coming, like the rising of how the Knicks have played this year, uh, the 76ers and Embiid in his MVP candidacy, the Brooklyn Nets super team. I mean, Milwaukee has been Milwaukee for the past three years, but they just seem to st- stay up there at the top i mean having harden and durant leave the west definitely helped the case for for the east to really close the gap so it it, it does make sense it just sucks that they were on the same team yeah does it make for the for the best kind of basketball but you know, uh, that's what happens now. It's the way the league is moving. Everybody wants to play together now. But it, it's it's still going to be a a super fun playoffs to watch just because of, one, stadiums have fans again. It's it's great. I love it. I mean, the last night the, the Lakers put up their banner – they waited till fans could come in because they've always done it in front of fans. So why change it? It's it's just great to see that things are starting to die down with COVID nineteen and people are starting to be able to come back together. Oh, absolutely! It is going to be a great time. I know as fun as the bubble was last year, it'll be so nice to get some fans in there. To, to see, especially in the playoffs. I mean, that's where, to me, the, the fandom really kind of starts. I mean, I feel like even at the beginning of the season, a lot of teams are still feeding off of that playoff energy, whether they lost or won in the playoffs last year. So I, I think that's a lot of intensity is derived from the playoffs. And if I could say one thing about this playing tournament, I've seen a lot of hate about the whole format and the idea from people online and I really just wanted to say like for one this is just my way of viewing things don't ever say I don't know make up your mind before you at least give something a chance like I will say this is weird it is new and the NBA has never done this before I consider myself pretty old-fashioned I mean I don't love the idea of change but I'm willing to hear it out and see what kind of advantages it may have. And I can't lie, this playing tournament has the advantages to make a lot of basketball that a lot of people would just kind of roll their eyes at between, you know, the the one and eight seed, that first round. They may, found a way to make 
it at least a more entertaining in the before that. So for that reason, I am willing to see how this works. I can't wait to see like what actually goes down in this play in tournament. And I bet we see a lot of really good basketball. So if I could just say anything, just hold your judgments until we've seen it. Cause we have never seen it. We don't know what's going to go down and we don't know what it could look like even next year, but we at least need to give it a year and see what it looks like and then formulate our opinions. Yeah. You, as the, the saying goes, never judge a book by its cover. This could, if this goes well, it could end up being a, a staple part of the NBA playoffs and really give those teams that barely missed it a shot to have the have a chance in the playoffs because their superstar could have gone down for two weeks and they could be that that chance for a seven seed or an eight seed run, but they just didn't have their player and they missed like eight or nine games in those games they lost like seven of them and it, it kind of knocked them out of the run. Yeah. I mean, and to me, I go back to last year in, in the All-Star game and what the NBA did to change the All-Star game, not this season, I'm talking about last, a year ago, but um, watching that the format change for the All-Star game, going into it, I didn't like the idea. I couldn't even really wrap my head around it because I hadn't seen it yet. But after watching how competitive that All-Star game was, it was the most competitive All-Star game I had ever seen in my entire life. I loved it. I went into it not knowing how I was going to feel. And if anything, I was definitely more against it than for it. And by the end of the game, I couldn't imagine ever watching an all-star game under any other format. That's the kind of thing, like it has that potential. I do think it will have that level of an excitement factor. It will make in a similar way to what the all-star game did. It will make kind of non-competitive things more competitive in my mind, at least. And, And for that, I think it's a welcome sight. The NBA should never feel non-competitive in anything that kind of gets us closer to that, especially for playoff basketball. I am all for. Yes, I. We're three days away from the playoffs, and it is the most exciting time in sports right now, at least for for us too. Um, yes, this is this is both of our top two sports. I mean, we both love football and basketball. I'm I'm more of a football fan myself. I know Ian is definitely more on the basketball side, so this is definitely a lot more exciting for him. But if you're a sports fan, this is this is the best time. Playoffs is always the most exciting time for any sport. Yeah, and I think of all the sports, and I know you kind of said like basketball is my favorite, and I am probably very biased towards basketball. But I think of all the playoffs. I think baseball has to be up there as just one of the best experiences. There's something to be said about the NFL and a winner go home situation every single week. But when you have a seven game series and you just watch the, some of the world's best athletes go against it, it really just feels like the playoffs are always a battle of the each team's best player. And to me, I love that kind of style of an exhibition kind of series, a seven game series. You have room for, uh, heroes all throughout the series. I mean, playoff basketball is just a magical time. You learn so much about so many teams that you maybe even didn't get to watch a lot of in the regular season. So 
I am very, very excited. There's a star-studded field of players, and I cannot wait to get this playoffs underway. I mean, three short days, we are right there, and I am so excited for it. Oh, oh boy, is it is it going to be a fun time? Um, and right now, how the playoffs, how the standings are looking for the Eastern Conference. We have the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Miami Heat, the New York Knicks are set in stone. So it's going to be – well, really, it's any of those teams are going to either play Philly or Brooklyn. So that 7-8 seed, they're not going to have a, an easy game. Yeah. Not at all. I don't really think that there is. I mean, at least I don't think that the the top seed matchups are going to be as easy anymore because, yes, they will get rest before they take on their, their first-round opponent. Yeah, that is a huge, huge factor. And I like that there is a an additive bonus for teams that finish up at the top and getting that little break. But I also think – it allows for some of these teams that, you know, are being counted out in that play-in game to get a little bit of confidence, to, to see the ball go in before the playoffs. I mean, they'll come in ready to play, no doubt, because they will have just come off of games. How, how does how do the higher seeds respond to that kind of a narrative in a seven-game series? It, it's just a lot of new variables and things to consider with this play-in tournament considered. So – I can't wait to see how it all plays out. I'm so excited for the playoffs. Yep. And then for the Western Conference, we have, as of right now, the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, the Clippers, the Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks. And those are the teams that are set in stone. Right now, the Portland Trailblazers are one game ahead of the Los Angeles Lakers. But if they lose tonight and the Lakers win – uh, the Lakers will take that six-seed spot, and the Trailblazers will move down to the playing tournament. So, nothing set in stone for the Blazers or the Lakers right now. I know the Lakers would I, – I feel the Lakers would much rather face the Clippers in the first round than either the Suns or the Jazz because of – well, the the Jazz and the Suns have really just been on a, a phenomenal to run this entire season, so I think they'd much rather have a, a better game plan around the Clippers. That's just me, though. It would be interesting. I, I don't know. Something tells me just league-wide, the league would love for a L.A. v. L.A., Battle of L.A., Western Conference Finals, or at least semifinals, but I, I could be very wrong. But something tells me if the NBA has a, any little bit of rigging in it, they might try and do something to get that going because that I, that would bring in so so much money for the league. I, I don't think that they do that, but I have a couple of conspiracy theory friends out there who would love to have that argument with you all day. But um, it's just going to be a very exciting playoff basketball time uh, obviously anytime you have something new 
to add into the playoffs, it, it gives you even more reason to watch because you can't just hit us with that excuse. Ah, it's the playoffs. I know LeBron and fill in the blank from the East will be there. I don't need to watch it. No, you do. You really do because I guarantee you this year we're going to see a lot of crazy things that we haven't seen from playoff basketball before. Yeah, I, LeBron not being a, a top seed in the conference. A New weird. York being in the playoffs? <laughs> Without a guy named Carmelo Anthony? Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. So much fun stuff to watch for a, a one-man hero Warriors team led by Stephen Curry. We got to watch out for the for the Denver Nuggets and see, you know, how everybody else is is really chipping in and filling in for the loss of Jamal Murray. How that's gonna hold up over the course of a playoff series? How much will they need him? Because I know a big part of their last season run was his stellar offense that he was able to provide each game. I mean, after that, you've still have, we haven't even touched on the playing games. I mean, we have to figure out whether the Atlanta Hawks and their late run to end the season is legit or not. I still think that they could be on that uh, pretender tier of teams. Well, only time will tell, but there's just so much that will be can in the, play. Can the Clippers, the can the Clippers finally break their curse of never making a Western conference finals and, can CP3 finally make his first ever finals appearance and get that ring he's so desperately deserved? Yeah. There, There's young teams. There's veteran teams. There's, there's that middle ground, like the Spurs. And it's just so much is in this, is in this playoffs run. It's, it's absolutely insane. And I, I don't know if I'm truly prepared for it. I don't know if I'm truly prepared for it either, but I can tell you one thing for certain. By the time it starts coming on, I most definitely will be. And with with the playoffs not going on during school time this year, um, we'll definitely be able to keep you all up more up to date with everything that's going on. Um, since it's not in – August and September and October uh, like this whole bubble was. So y'all can definitely catch uh, recaps here. I don't think we'll do daily recaps until we get to the semi, till we get to the conference finals and the finals, of course. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely keep y'all updated and how we think everything is going. Absolutely. I cannot wait to stay in touch with all of you guys about these NBA playoffs. I am so excited. Just let the games begin already. Three more days and and it will be here. Almost there. But with that, I hope you all enjoyed uh, listening to us just basically ramble on about the NBA. We didn't really have a, a true format for this episode after being on that two-week hiatus and didn't feel the need to do recaps since the play-in tournament is on Monday. Um, so we just wanted to sit here and talk to you all about what we think is going to be going on and how we how we perceive the NBA right now. Yeah, this was basically just a little look around the league before we 
jump into the NBA playoffs. We just kind of wanted to set the scene for you guys if you maybe decided to take a little hiatus with us. So we hope that we got the opportunity to kind of catch you guys up, get you guys ready for the playoffs. And uh, we just also needed to kind of knock you on the head and remind you in case you want that hiatus that playoffs time is here, ladies and gentlemen. Get excited, get ready, get your popcorn going. I can guarantee you a lot of fun and exciting games coming very soon. Yes, it will be. But with that, I have been your host, Jason Michener, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see you all next time.